How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. It's good lyrics to sing this morning. Let's open up to Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been for the past two weeks, two Sundays. We're uh, going through a series called Faith, and uh, we're looking in Hebrews chapter 11, looking at uh, many of the of the of the men and women who have gone before us, and that we can look back and see that they live by faith, and that our God is faithful. Uh, last week we covered two people who lived by faith: Abel and Enoch. Abel he worshipped God by faith, and Enoch he walked by God. He walked with God by faith. We talked about the heart of the person who comes to worship and how God looks at the heart and not the offering. And ask the question, is your heart far or near from God? Do you worship and bring your offering in faith with a surrendered heart ready to walk humbly with your God? Because Abel did. Abel, he was willing to come before God, surrendered heart, and by faith, he gave an offering to God in worship. And those questions are simply for the purpose of us to examine our hearts. Those seem like tough questions, but why do I ask those questions? It's because a lot of times we can live deceiving ourselves and thinking that we live by faith and that we love God and that we're in a relationship with God because we do one thing or another, or we have a schedule. But the reality is we're good at deceiving ourselves. And our flesh does that to us. And Satan does that to us. He's a good deceiver. But asking these questions and looking at these men by faith and seeing how they live by faith, and we're looking within our own lives and saying, do I live by faith that way? Because that's when I read this, it, it stops me in my tracks. And it makes me think. Do I live a life by faith? And the scriptures will do that because the scriptures are a reflection of who we really are. When we look into the scriptures, it's a mirror and we see the reality of who we are. And so as we look at these, these men who live by faith, we look and see a life by faith. And we have to ask certain questions to ourselves. We have to truly examine and let the Spirit convict our hearts. And then we have to be openly honest with God and say, you know what, my devotion may be to other things in this world and not to you. And God will give grace and will change us. We look to Enoch, a man who walked by faith, and we saw that to live by faith like Enoch, we are constantly having to come to God and seek Him earnestly. We are to live lives of complete openness to God. He sees everything. He knows everything. Before we can even say it or before we even do it, He knows it's going to be done. Nothing's hidden from God. There's nowhere you can go to hide. So communion and intimacy with a God who sent His Son to die, that's not an impossible thing. We can have communion and intimacy with the God of the universe who holds everything together who lets us breathe in and out right now, who at one moment 
can let us live on this earth and the next seems like a breath. The brevity of life. He's sovereign. He holds it all in his hands. And that's the kind of God we can come and seek intimately. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are to live a devoted life by faith. Which means not cramming Jesus into our schedule, but examining our true devotions to God. And then confess those devotions if they're not truly devoted to Him. We must admit and confess the devotions of our heart daily. And let the Spirit transform our souls and live with a heart captured by grace. So now we look at a man who is seen in Scripture all over. It's not just in Genesis or in Hebrews, but it's in seven other books of the Bible. And Jesus uses the Noah uh, story. So does Peter. He uses Noah many times. Noah is a very important part of the redemptive story. Because through Noah, we have a Savior. So Noah is very important in the redemptive story. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Let's read. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. The story of Noah is not really accepted well or easily in our day. Because many forget or they don't believe God is a God of wrath and He's a God of justice. Because it seems maybe to contradict with His love and His grace. But we must not pick through the Scriptures and, and make up a God who is just like us. Who's comfortable with our emotions, with our culture, with our feelings. But we must look at the Scripture and see and know the God who is in His Word, in the Scriptures. And I believe the majority of the sin and issues in our life, it, deri it derives from an improper view of a holy God. When we can't see God correctly and in view of who we are, we start to become selfish and we start to live for things here on this earth. And as we look at Noah's faith, we discover that God is a God who is lovingly gracious because it said he showed favor on Noah in Genesis chapter 6. But then he's also a wrathfully just God. Because we see in chapter 7, in chapter 6, he floods the earth. And that may not sit well with you. That he brought a flood and destroyed all people. But it's God. That's who He is. 
He is just, and he is wrathful to those who are not obedient. And nobody wants to hear the the hell and fire brimstone and all that. They don't want to hear that. And that's, you know, people go overboard with that. But what I'm saying is, let's not make God something he's not. Let's just truly take the scriptures, put it in the backdrop, and let's really see who God is. There's no way of completely knowing who God is. He's way too big. But I think the things we need to know about him are in the scriptures and it's revealed through his spirit. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, Noah, in holy fear, he was obedient to God, right? In holy fear, Noah was obedient to God. So many times when we hear this word fear in the scriptures, which we hear a lot, it says fear God, fear God, fear God. The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. We hear that term to fear God a lot. But when we hear that word, sometimes we try to make it easier. And to say, I believe to fear God is important, but this fear may mean just to honor or respect Him. And we kind of make the word a little bit easier for us. But God is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is a God who is slow to anger, but is rightful to be angry those who sin against him. He is a God who is sovereign. And I think if we just saw God, I think it would clear up some things for us maybe. Like if we stood in his presence like Isaiah or like John, it would just kind of maybe clear up some things for us and we could understand this fear a little bit better. Because when we see people go before God and in his presence, what happens is they fall on their face. And when they fall on their face, what happens after that is God or Jesus says, don't fear. Isn't that weird? How we fear God and it says, for the scripture to say, it says for us to fear God. But then when we fear him, it says, don't be afraid. I think that's so cool. It says in Matthew, in Matthew 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 28, it says, and do not fear those who can kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. See, Noah feared God. That when God spoke, he listened closely. And he listened reverently. He had a proper fear of God. He had a holy fear of God. But what's amazing is that this fear that we have for God, it turns into something beautiful because He loves us. And we understand fear in a better light because it's love. He calls us children. He calls us son and daughter. He calls us friend. And that's the kind of God that we are supposed to fear. A God that is gracious but He's so worthy of us to fear. Because wisdom, the beginning of wisdom, is to fear for him and his name. So, 
If you want to live by faith like Noah, you must have a holy fear of God. It's that simple. But we have to understand who God is. And we have to get a correct picture of who He is in relation to us. We are here on earth. He is in heaven on the throne. And when we get a correct picture of His character and who He is, we get a correct fear, a holy fear. So Noah, by faith, he heard God's word and believed it as true, and he obeyed it. Even though he never saw a flood before, especially one that will intentionally kill everybody but him and his family, he still had faith. He still believed. It's kind of like what we saw in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Noah is a clear picture of that description of faith. He didn't see the rain. He may not have ever seen a thunderstorm before. It might have been very dry. But we do know that he's never seen a flood like that before. But what did he do? God told him to build an ark. He built it. Because he feared God. And he trusted his word. And I wonder why he did that. And I think it's because of his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather who walked by faith. Men, we need to teach our families what it means to, to follow God and live by faith. To walk with Him. Because if not, we're bringing in generations who don't seek God. And then we expect maybe the church to take a hold of them and to teach them the Word of God, and they should. But I think it's our primary focus as parents. We should be devoted to discipling our kids. And to do that, we have to be walking with God ourselves. Because if we're not walking with God in a relationship with Him, how can we teach our children to do the same? Or our wives to do the same? Men, we need to step up and we need to lead our families like Noah did. He was a man who was obedient in his faith proved that he believed the way he was obedient proved the way he believed about God what he believed about his word that it was true and that he was a faithful God so here's some things that we see Noah he walked with God just like Enoch he walked with God we get the same picture of walking with God as Adam and Eve or Enoch or Abraham the men and women of faith, they walked with God. That idea of walking beside, along, that beautiful relationship, that intimacy that we keep talking about. Think hard. Just try to put yourself in Noah's shoes for a second. You know the story of, of Noah and the ark and his family. You know these people in, in, in Genesis chapter 6, they were violent. They were corrupted people. Everybody was corrupted besides Noah and his family. Think how hard it must have been to walk with God when everybody else besides you was disobeying and in a rebellion towards God. 
I think we have no excuses that it's too hard to live for God in this world and walk with Him. Just look at Noah. He lived among people who when God looked at them, wanted to destroy them by flooding the earth and killing them all. And He did. That's how corrupt and violent and sinful the human race was then. Probably wasn't good to live in that day. And most people know that Noah built an ark, but by faith he also built up family who was God's character. And so you see Noah having this holy fear, walking with God in the midst of people who don't fear God at all. We can't just make excuses up and say, well, there's too much worldly stuff, there's, there's too many distractions in life for me to follow and walk with God. Noah was a man who faithfully walked with God in the midst of all that stuff. So we know it's not impossible. We know that God, in the end, rewards those to faithfully walk with him. Noah also worked for God. Noah knew what it meant to labor and to sweat for God. And not just for a small time period, but also for many years that it took to build, build an ark that would save him and his family. Over a hundred years he spent building an ark for something he's never seen, only trusting God and being obedient to his word. That's a long time of working. None of us in here are even a hundred years old. That's just crazy to think that he worked and labored and sweat for God and obedience to him. We think we have a hard job, but Noah built an ark in the midst of a drought probably in the midst of people who don't fear God, and he was proclaiming to those people that they're disobedient and God was going to flood the earth. That's hard. That has to be, you have to be completely devoted to God to go and do something crazy like that. To live by faith, sometimes it looks crazy in this world. But we know God is faithful. His word is true. He rewards those who live by faith. Noah also waited on God. Like I said, a hundred years before the flood came. That's a long time. But we live in this world that everything has to be fast and quick. Uh, just a few days ago, me and my dad were, were sitting together, and I'm trying to look up something on my phone, and I feel like I'm back in the 90s internet at his house, you know, downloading off of off of the nineties internet, AOL and you know the the I just I was going crazy because I needed information but I couldn't get it. As I'm thinking that it should travel a lot faster, you know, all those miles. Uh but but it's so true that we 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 live in a world that everything has to be now. And if it's not now, it's not good enough. And uh but Noah, we gotta learn how to, to wait like Noah did. Noah, he waited on God for the flood to come, probably a hundred years. Um, 
He took time preparing and waiting for God's word and his promise to come true. Noah and his family waited one year from the day they were closed in to the ark to the day they got out and stepped on dry land. One year cooped up in a ark with a bunch of animals. And they had to wait. He also just didn't run out of the ark, but he waited on God to tell him to leave the ark. He'd been cooped up, and he's still he's waiting for God to tell him, now you can go out. God, he rewarded Noah and his family's faith by saving them from the flood and placing them on land that he prepared for them to start fresh. It's a pretty crazy idea, too, that this ark probably didn't have a rudder and a wheel. And, you know, God flooded the earth to where you couldn't even see the mountaintops. But he's guiding, moving, he's preparing the earth for Noah and them. He's letting the waters drain out and go to certain places so that Noah and his family start fresh. What does God tell them? God tells them just what he told Adam and Eve. But go be fruitful and multiply. It's like a fresh start for them. And what did Noah do after God made that covenant with him? When he was making that covenant with him, he set up an altar and he worshiped God. When we experience God's faithfulness and God's truthfulness and his word and how he's good. And that he saved us. He was gracious to us. Our only response is worship. When he reveals something to us, our response is worship. When he reveals himself to us, our only response is worship. So if you desire to live by faith, as Noah did, then we must have a holy fear of God. We must walk with God. We must work with God. And we must wait on God. His word is trustworthy because he's faithful. Lastly, we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah, he definitely proclaimed and preached the message of God with his mouth. But sometimes uh, preaching is done by someone who simply lives by faith in action. That's not an excuse to not proclaim the gospel. Hear me out. We ought to proclaim the word of God and his gospel with our mouths. We hear that excuse all the time. Well, I don't necessarily talk about Jesus, but my life says something greater. I don't think we should be that way. But I do believe that if we live a life by faith, it almost even proclaims even louder than when we speak it with our mouths. And more so just confirms it. When we live a life 
in obedience to God. The point is very loud. Just as Noah, when, when he lived a life by faith, what did he do? He proclaimed the condemna condemnation of the world that he lived in by the flood. So let our mouth and our lives proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Just as Noah proclaimed with his mouth and with his life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. As we always end, we're going to end through this series with this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who we've seen three so far, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, Jesus is our ultimate. He's our ultimate example. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. So as we looked at Noah's life, and we looked at Enos, and we looked at Abel's, next week we're going to be looking at Abraham's, which is going to be awesome, because we get to see a man, another man who lived by faith. And because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that's causing us to stumble, and let us run the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We trust your word is good. God, I ask that your spirit would, would teach us to be men and women of faith like Noah was. Teach us what it looks like to fear you, God. To live in holy fear of you. But also what it looks like to walk with you to wait on you, and God, to, to sit with you in devotion every single day to your things, to the things that bring you honor and glory. God, teach us what it looks like to be godly men who lead our families like Noah. Teach us what it looks like to be men who stand up for the things of God and who disciple our children and our families and the community around us. We love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.